We're still on this topic of prayer. And while it is the Lord's prayer in the sense that he taught it, it is the disciples' prayer and your prayer and my prayer in the sense that he taught it to us. Now, Jesus didn't say this is what you should pray. Jesus said this is how you should pray. Uh, that's important. It's a pattern. It's not a prescription. It's a pattern for your own prayers and mine. So Matthew chapter 6, rather, and verse 9. This, then, is how you should pray, Jesus said. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then some versions add, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. There are some people in this church, some of you, um, there are some people in this church who are astute and perceptive observers of things that go on. And some of you have noticed some quirks in my personality. And thank you for pointing those out. <laughs> but I am reminded that every once in a while I am prone to use the term such as, such as life. You haven't heard that? Cool. Well, such is life. And the reality of life is that we suffer from cuts and bruises and broken bones and illness. We have physical wounds. And many of us carry physical scars from different things. But the reality is, part of life is that as we go through life sooner or later, we are going to get hurt. And some of us are carrying some big stuff around with us. Some of you have been hurt by other people when you were little kids. People said and did things to you that still governs your life today. Every once in a while I am reminded of my mother's words who used to say, if your head wasn't stuck to your neck, you'd probably leave it someplace too. Yeah, mom, I heard that before. Another thing my mom and dad used to say, and they said it in Dutch, but whenever I got my allowance, I would get my nickel or my quarter or whatever it was, and it's a beeline for the candy store. I just couldn't wait to spend that money. You know, and their saying was, it's like that money's burning a hole in your pocket, and you just got to get it out of there. My wife still deals with that reality today. But the reality is that, that some of us, and, and such is life, that some of us are carrying some huge scars. People have said things to us. People have hurt us in the past. People have done things to us. And we're carrying around some heavy burdens. Some of you were called names at school. Or some of you were mistreated by your parents. Some of you, including me, I was mistreated by strangers. I was assaulted when I was a little kid. And we carry those things around with us for the rest of our lives. And the reality is that all of those things have effects that go on. 
But how do we deal with that? How do you deal with the realities of life? You know that old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will hurt me for the rest of my life. And some of you know what that's about. And then there are the things we do to each other. Sometimes it's intentional, sometimes it isn't. And this morning I want to talk about forgiveness. What does it mean to be forgiven? And what does it mean to forgive? You see, forgiveness, forgiveness is an essential component of our existence. You cannot exist unless you have been forgiven and unless you learn how to forgive. You cannot exist without forgiveness. It's an essential component of your being. And this morning I want to just basically camp on two different truths about forgiveness. One is that you and I need to have our sins forgiven. And the second one is that you and I need to forgive each other. We need to extend forgiveness. If we're going to receive forgiveness, we need to extend forgiveness because you cannot live. You cannot live without being forgiven, excuse me, and without forgiving others. There are some essential needs that you and I have as human beings. One of those needs is for food and shelter. We need to survive. And so Jesus teaches us to pray for our daily bread, and I, I would include under that our, our the, the needs that we need for our physical well-being every day of our lives. And that's very much a part of, of who we are. We're human beings. We need air. We need water. We need shelter. We need clothing. We need all the rest of these things. And so that, that is part of what we need. But one of the other things that you and I need is forgiveness. It is as much a part of daily life as bread is. Now, there's something, if you have an NIV Bible this morning, there's something the translators missed, and that's a very important word. If you have a different translation, like the New American or the King James or the New King James or the, the English Standard Version or the New Living Translation, it's in there. And shout it out to me. It's a very important three-letter word. Give us this day our daily bread. And. And. Three-letter word. What's the significance of a three-letter word? That three-letter words, words like and and but and for are called connectives. They connect things one to another. And the word and usually connects things that are of equal importance. And so when Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, he is linking two things. He is linking the spiritual and he is linking the physical. And he said you need both in order to survive. I picked up a book this week, and, and Judy MacArthur is our, is our um, library lady, and she's been, she asked me this week, can I spend more money? And I said, no, um, not yet. I said, wait until we find out. But, but what she's been doing is, is, and thank you for doing this, by the way, she's been scattering books around on these tables, 
hoping to promote them. And I picked up this little book. It's called My Father, Maker of the Trees. I read that book this week. I got very emotional when I read this, but the thing that caught my attention was this little line up here. It says, the power of this book comes from a call to forgiveness worldwide. The book is written by a young man by the name of Eric. Eric is from Rwanda. And in 1994, when the genocide happened in Rwanda, Eric was 16 years old. His entire family, with the exception of two of his brothers, were murdered in front of him. In Rwanda, I, this the stuff, I, I, I didn't even know it was as bad as it was. There were 100 days of rampage where there, there was this, this, this ethnic war between these two tribes, and they just one tribe decided that they needed to kill the other tribe. They called them cockroaches. They were less than human beings. And in one day, in one day, it's the biggest single casualty figure of any war in history. In one day, one million people were slaughtered. I didn't know that. And Eric and his uncle climbed trees and spent 15 days sitting in trees while people were being murdered below them. And after the rampage was over, over a million people dead, 120,000 orphans, How do you put your life back together again? The book disturbed me. But it also gripped me. It was sitting on a table back there. and I know some of you are going to come up here and grab it right afterwards. It'll be here. But one of the things Eric said, he called the book my father, maker of the trees. And he said as he was sitting there in a the tree day after day, and they would come down and sleep at night when the rampage stopped and go back up in the trees to hide and spend all day there. And he started looking at the trees, and he said, you know, there must have been someone that made this tree. And would this same someone have made me? Would this someone have put this tree here so I could climb it and be safe from the rampage that was going on down below. Then the remainder, first half of the book deals with the rampage. Then the other half of the book deals with healing and forgiveness. And Rwanda is still working on this. They have a hundred days of mourning every year. There were a hundred days of rampage, but there are a hundred days of mourning every year and the people are trying to work through that, through this tribalism, through this hatred, through this genocide. Forgiveness is very much a part of that. One of the things that Eric wrote was to be asked to forgive those who murdered your family is an overwhelming request. And it is. And yet it is absolutely essential. He also said, we cannot be true witnesses of Christ without living out a model of reconciliation. You can't be a true witness for Christ unless you can live out a model of reconciliation. 
And so forgiveness is something that is absolutely essential to only, not only our physical well-being, but to our spiritual well-being. The basic problem that you and I have is sin. The Bible says that sin is part of our inner being. It is something that is part of our human nature. Psalm 51.5, David writes, and surely, in, uh, I was <coughs> surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time that my mother conceived me. Not that the act of conception is sin, but that our human nature starts to form and that human nature is, is sinful. It is deceitful. And so Jesus taught us to pray, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. You and I tend to think of sin as something that's a trespass. You know, there's a, there's a line here, and the Bible says, and God says, don't cross that line. And so when we step across that line, I am now trespassing where I'm not supposed to go. And that's certainly a part of sin. But the greater part of sin is this idea of carrying a debt or this idea of falling short. I owe somebody something that I cannot pay. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Debt is a whole lot more than a trespass, and the reality is that our destiny is the lake of fire as sinners. The Bible says all those who, whose names were not found written in the Lamb's book of life were cast into the lake of fire. And so we desperately need to be forgiven because forgiveness, it frees us from the penalty for sin, which is hell. But forgiveness also allows us, and here's the positive side of that. We think so much of that as uh, of that fire escape, but the other side of that, and it's absolutely huge, is this fellowship we now have with our Creator, which is what He designed us for in the first place. He designed us that we might have fellowship with Him. And so you and I have a debt, and that debt is sin. The word means to owe somebody something. It's like a loan or a rent or a spiritual debt, and forgiveness requires payment. If I'm going to be forgiven, someone needs to pay that. Someone has to carry the cross. And when Jesus said the words, it is finished, he means it's been paid in full. And so you and I desperately need to be forgiven. This morning we are going to participate. We are going to partake of the Lord's table. We are going to have communion. It means that you and I have been forgiven. You and I can never pay that debt back. It has been given to us. It's a gift of life. It means that you and I have been forgiven. But the other side of that forgiveness coin says... Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. What does it mean to forgive? One of the popular concepts of forgiveness is that we have to forget. In other words, if you can't forget, then you haven't forgiven. Well, does God forget our sins? In a way, he does. The Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Another place we read in the Bible that God has put all our sins behind his back. But every time God the Father looks at his son, he sees our sin. 
He sees the debt that has been paid. And while God does not hold our sins against us, he is reminded of them every time he looks at his son. Other people will say that to forgive someone means you must never mention the offense again. But the reality is, if I have a wound, I need to take care of it. If I have a wound, I can't ignore it. And so one of the things that, that they're doing in Rwanda, as Eric belongs to a church, it's called the, the Restoration Church of Kigali, which is the capital city of Rwanda. And the, the Kigali's church, our motto is influencing people to maturity in Christ. The, the motto of Restoration Church, or the basic purpose statement of Restoration Church is that we are restored to restore. And one of the things that they are actively seeking to do is to bring about healing and, and, and reconciliation. Eric says today there are still people that can't talk about what happened to them and they need to be able to talk about it, to vocalize it, to say some of the things that have happened and there are horrible things that happen. <coughs> <coughs> healing requires taking care of the wound, not ignoring it. And so the, the people of Rwanda are desperately and, and genuinely seeking to bring about restoration, to bring about healing between these two races, these two tribes, and they don't even know what tribe they belong to. Some of the time, you can't tell. Healing may also demand years of therapy, and recovery may not always be total, and wounds will leave scars and disabilities. When I was two years old, my parents went to visit somewhere after church, and the people they went to visit did not have children. And so um, in Holland, when you make coffee, you make coffee like tar, and then you boil milk, and you, you, know, you get this much coffee in the bottom of your cup, tar. Uh, it's, oh, it's potent stuff. And then you add boiling milk. And, and so the people we went to visit, the lady put a, a pot of milk on the stove to boil, left the handle sticking out over the end. We know better. But anyway, I'm two years old. I reach up there and I pull this thing off the stove and I got burned with, I got scalded with boiling milk. The lady made a mistake. My dad was smart enough to stick me under a cold water faucet and he took me to uh, a place for emergency treatment in our city and they, they bandaged up my arm and I was wearing a short sleeve sweater and my arm was burnt and, and they, they treated it and my arm is perfectly fine. There isn't a mark on my arm. Uh, there's no difference between my right arm and my left arm. But two days later, my mom went to cut the clothes off me so that she could bath me and, and my clothing was stuck to my chest. And so there's a scar here. I don't like taking my shirt off in front of people. I'm fairly self-conscious about this thing. When I was a kid, that scar was about the size of a loony. And now it's the size of my hand. I don't think about it a whole lot, but every year, this time of the year, that scar itches like crazy. Uh, and I have to put cream on it at night because it'll, you'll see me walking around like this. It, it just, it, you know, it, it, it bothers me. My wife, 
uh, singed her ankle, the inside of her ankle, on one of the exhaust pipes on my motorcycle when she was 17 years old. This time of the year, it gets itchy. It's one of the things that reminds us that it's something that happened to us. It wasn't my fault. It was something that somebody else did to me. Uh, and, you know, somebody's left the pot handle stuck out over the, over the edge of the stove, and somebody uh, didn't treat me properly when I was brought in for medical care, and, and so now I have this, this thing. And so I, I carry that scar. I've carried it for <clears throat> almost 60 years. But someone else did that to me. It's part of my life. It, it bothers me in the wintertime. It doesn't hurt the rest of the time, and I don't like showing it to people. But nevertheless, it's part of my life. And when someone else sins against you, it leaves scars in your life, and some of those scars are there for the rest of your life. You will never get rid of them. And someone has to carry the debt. And if I am going to forgive someone, I wind up carrying the debt and it's not fair. But the reality is that for Jesus to forgive me, he paid a debt he didn't owe. And it's not fair either, is it? And if I am forgiven, I am obligated, I am commanded to forgive those who have harmed me. In the passage in Matthew 18 that Blair read for us earlier, we read that if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, if you're coming to offer your gift at the altar and then you remember that your brother has something against you, in other words, if you've done something stupid and hurt somebody, you know about that. You need to deal with it. So it really doesn't matter whether you were the offender or the offendee. If you know that there's an issue, you need to deal with it. And people will say, well, I have a right to hold on to my grudge until that person comes and asks me to forgive. Really, does God hang on to his grudges until we come to him and ask him for forgiveness? Someone has to carry that cost. And forgiveness is expensive. That cost always needs to be paid. There was a doctor in Scotland who was... Uh, lenient with his patients. And he wrote sometimes on his patients' accounts when they couldn't pay him, he would write the word forgiven on there. And after his death, the executors of his estate tried to get payment for those debts. And so they went to court and they asked the judge to compel the people who still owed the doctor money to make them pay. And the judge examined the books and he said, no tribunal in the land could force payment on those whose debts are forgiven. The case is dismissed. You see, forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness does not mean you must never mention the offense again, but forgiveness does mean that you let go of the right to get even.
Forgiveness isn't something that's cheap. You know, sometimes when I hurt somebody, it's easy to say, well, please forgive me, and then that means it'll be over, and I wind up cheapening the offense. You know, if I deeply grieve you or hurt you, you and I need to talk about that. And I need to recognize that I caused you immense pain, and I can never, you can never cause me enough pain to make up for that. But forgiveness isn't cheap. Forgiveness isn't easy. Our natural reaction is to get even. But forgiveness is good for the soul. Because you see, if you don't forgive, it makes you sour and bitter and ugly and cranky and hard and callous and unmerciful and selfish and uncompassionate, unmerciful, and you're just plain rotten to be around. If you carry bitterness around in you, it's been said that bitterness is an asset that destroys the vessel in which it is stored. If you carry bitterness, an asset around in you, it, it spews out. And you become this bitter, ugly, rotten person. So what do we do with it? Forgiveness isn't something we earn because we forgive others. God grants it to us because it's called grace. You and I don't deserve it. But grace imposes obligation, and the reality is that those who are forgiven must forgive. And the parable that Blair read for us early, think about this. There is no mercy for the unmerciful. You cannot expect to receive mercy while at the same time you are withholding it from someone else. Jesus said, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Verse 14 in Matthew chapter 6, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when I refuse to forgive, when I refuse to forgive you, I rob you of the blessing of being forgiven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. No one can hold a greater debt on you than the one that God holds on you. You have no right, no right at all, to withhold forgiveness from anyone else. It's one of the most difficult things that God expects you to do, yet it is absolutely imperative that you and I are obeying him. And so I ask you this morning, what are you carrying around? I'm asking you to ask God to look inside your heart. Say, God, is there bitterness within me? Is there anger? Is there something that I'm refusing to let go of? And that's a good question to ask yourself this morning. We're going to have communion. I'm going to ask those of you who are serving communion, if you'd come up here and join me at the front of the church right now. But the lesson of communion is that we have been forgiven. I see two. I need two more, please. Okay. 
So therefore you and I need to forgive others as well. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. The Bible says that we dare not partake of communion without discerning the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Discernment says not only that he died on a cross for us, and, and, and we accept that provision, but provision or privilege imposes obligation on the rest of us as well. And so as you partake of communion this morning, as you celebrate and relish the fact that God has forgiven you, you need to ask yourself, is there anything in my heart that I need to deal with? Do I need to go make things right with someone? If you have offended someone, if you know that you have hurt someone, you need to make things right. If you are carrying bitterness or anger or distrust or, or ill feelings towards someone in your heart, they don't necessarily need to know that, but you need to deal with that. You need to say, I'm going to quit carrying this around. This is, this is eating me up from the inside out. I want to get rid of this. And so, Lord, I'm going to let go of that. I'm going to let go of the right to get even. Yeah, maybe I'll never forget, and I'll probably carry the scars around for the rest of my life. But, Lord, I'm not going to go around and, and try and get even for this because I can't get even. This scar on my chest, the people who did that to me are probably dead and gone, and even if they weren't, what could I do to them? You know, it's just there, part of my life. The guys who assaulted me when I was a little kid. Yeah, I'd like to spend a few minutes with them and a baseball bat. But I got to let go of that. People who have said dumb things to me, people who have ripped me off financially, people who have hurt me, I got to let go. I have no right to carry it around because if I claim God's forgiveness, I need to extend that forgiveness to other people as well. Please stand with me for closing prayer. Father, we've come into this building this morning. We've worshipped. We've fellowshiped. We've heard from you. We thank you for that. We thank you for the forgiveness that is ours. Lord, help us to not only be forgiven, but to be forgiving as well and to exercise the obligations which you place upon us. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.